I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. When last year, it was during the summer of last year when I first uh, started negotiating with KSL to return uh, to Utah from a few years in Washington, D.C. to become the host of this program, uh, which I, if you remember, last week we celebrated one year together. For one entire year, we've been spending afternoons together, shooting the breeze over the current events of the day. It's been quite a thrill. Well, when I was when I was in the midst of uh, negotiating, and it was looking like things were uh, going to work out, and I was going to come back home to uh, to KSL News Radio and to Utah. One of the things that I was, of course, uh, looking forward to was the opportunity to more regularly make it to the, the ski slopes. We got the greatest snow on earth, as they say. At least that's what the license plates say. And I've skied here and there. Hundred percent true. I, this year, have been following very closely the impact of this COVID-19 pandemic on uh, the industry, uh, the various resorts. And we've been following them as they have, you know, sought to uh, sought to put in place, you know, safeguards and guidelines to ensure that that business can continue. That the slopes can stay open, that the lifts can continue to run, and you know, visitors from around the world uh, will be able to come, and locals, of course, be able to come and you know be patrons at these beautiful resorts we have without uh, you know hesitancy and without the fear of contracting the virus. Because you, know, you get into a circumstance like that where you are uh, uh, you know a super spreader area, that's it. Things shut down for some time, and what we have learned, unfortunately, is that when things are shut down to a certain degree, you know, oftentimes it's difficult for them to reopen. Anyway, I want to look specifically at the town of Alta. The town of Alta, of course, is home to the ski resort there. And honestly, skiing is the lifeblood of the town. This was all brought to my attention uh, via an article in the Salt Lake Tribune. It points out that in the town of Alta, if the ski areas and lodges close down, there's there's no money generated uh, in property and sales tax to pay for the services. If the life of the resort is threatened, so too is the life of the town. The stakes are high. When you are a community who is uh, wholly dependent on visitors coming to your area to enjoy a resort, uh, it is difficult to diversify. And if you talk to your uh, investor advisor, you know, they'll say that you want to have a good, diverse uh, portfolio. 
Well, sometimes there are communities uh, that don't have a very diversified portfolio. And that's the case for uh, these towns that uh, that rely so heavily on on revenue from uh, visitors, property and sales tax coming in. And so when the stakes are so high, you have to sometimes resort to unconventional means. In this case, the town of Alta uh, commissioned a study executed by students of MIT to come in and look at the very specific behaviors that take place at a ski resort uh, when the lines are long and when the cafeterias are full of food and, and people are coming and going and enjoying a ski resort as it has been enjoyed, you know, in the absence of the coronavirus. It's all well and good to follow best you can the CDC guidelines, but there are certain activities that take place at a ski resort that don't necessarily uh, you know, lend themselves to the advice given by the CDC. And so how do you, what do you do uh, to, to make sure that the resort is safe and that the guidelines that are practiced at a ski resort uh, maintain the longevity of that resort, leave the doors open, so to speak, for the world to come and enjoy so that in turn your community can thrive. There was a town council meeting not long ago. Those MIT students attended that and presented their findings. They presented the ski resort with some options to have a safe ski season. Here, the first student presented an extreme scenario for the Alta Council on COVID-19 and the ski season. So meet Kevin. He can't wait for ski season to start and take his annual trip to his favorite place, the town of Alta. Kevin is relaxed about COVID and does not see it as a risk to him and thinks wearing a mask won't make a difference so much. So he doesn't even pack a mask to wear. However, what Kevin doesn't know is that he already has COVID-19 and is asymptomatic. So Kevin is staying in the valley and it's the morning. His belly is rumbling and he he hasn't had breakfast today. So he decides that he'll go grab some food at the local cafe breakfast spot. Carefree Kevin enters to the restaurant, again with no mask, and meets up with his buddies. He goes over and gives them all a big hug and they start talking loudly as they're all so happy to have met after a few years. Kevin sits down, gets his food and talks about the wonderful time that they will all have in the upcoming weekend. They've been in the restaurant for about 60 minutes. And as Kevin exits the restaurant, he has infected 30 people. All right. So I have rambled on and on about a very complicated uh, concept. Right. That the, you know, the, the business model at ski resorts is, uh, you know, such a driver of success in the community and it is all dependent on patrons coming and going. When MIT showed up, these students from MIT and took a look at Alta and the resort there, they did a number of studies and the findings end up resulting in one very basic conclusion. And it's something that we uh, fortunately can apply elsewhere. And unfortunately for me in the talk radio business (laughs) means I might have to be a little bit quieter. What they found was that by simply talking, we exponentially increase the possibility that we are spreading the COVID-19 virus. That buses, when jam-packed, if those patrons sit in silence, that the likelihood of spread drops to nearly zero. It is talking, talking. And the more loudly we talk, the further the virus can spread. That's a heartbreaking thing, especially for me in the talk radio business. But if it means the difference between life or death in one of these communities, uh, you know, theoretically speaking or hypothetically speaking, then 
maybe, maybe when we're on the bus or when we're in line, when we're at the resort, uh, let's do everything we can to ensure they're able to uh, continue business. And we here in Utah continue to draw folks from around the world who are able to travel here in comfort and in safety. That's, of course, all until we get uh, to the light that is at the end of the tunnel, that vaccine and herd immunity. For the time being, for this season, we've got some precautions to take. And maybe, and maybe the biggest precaution is keeping our voice down. Quick break. When we return, we're speaking with Paul Nelson with KSL News Radio. Vaccines and minorities and where those two topics intersect. We'll get into it next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.